morning, Westwood. Everybody doing good today? Great. I'm so glad. Look around. We had a great crowd here on, Christmas, on New Year's Eve, and so uh, I'm so excited you're here. I'm Rick Callahan. I'm the pastor of families here. Our pastor, Kenneth, will be back next week, and uh, I'm so excited to share with you today, and I appreciate Caleb leading worship. Something that uh, I found out a few uh, months ago uh, was that Caleb and I actually went to the same high school. And uh, so I was very proud when I found out he graduated also. So we've, we've got two graduates from Minor High School that we know of. And, and, and I've met some other people here that graduated from Minor High School as well as Caleb's wife. So uh, it was good to be up here with him and I appreciate him leading in worship. I've got something that I want to share with you today that I, I hope we're going to enjoy and I hope we're going to learn something from. Any kids in here today? Any little kids? Huh? Huh? few of them, few kids, you just need to know there's kids around, brought a baseball bat, and I was talking to our deacons about maybe starting a new ministry with this, um, every church needs a baseball mat, bat ministry, no, not really, kids, have you played baseball, have you played softball, have any of you men ever played baseball or softball, raise your hand if you played, all right, ladies, anybody played baseball or softball, lots of you, lots of you, well, I played baseball growing up. Baseball was so much fun to me. It wasn't my favorite sport, but it was the sport I was best at. One of the things I learned, though, after all the years of Little League and after all the years of high school and junior high baseball is that when I got to college to play baseball, the coach told me I was holding the bat wrong. He told me my stance wasn't right, and so he started working with me. And so right off the bat, what he did was, you get it? Right off the bat, what he did is he took my, he took my grip. And he said, Rick, he said, if you're going to hit the ball and hit it with power and hit it consistently, you've got to get some mechanics right. So he said, I want you to grip with the, the lower hand, grip it real tight, top hand kind of loose. You want to line up your knuckles this way, not this way like I was used to. He said, you want to get your shoulders, I mean, your, your shoulders squared up to the plate. You want to get your feet an equal distance of your shoulders. He said, you want to open up your left foot. He said, your weight's on the back foot, on the ball of your foot. He said, when you come back and you swing through, you want to pop your wrist, you want to open your hips, and you want to push off your back foot all at the same time. He said, that's going to produce power, it's going to produce consistency, and it's going to open you up so that you can see the ball coming. Nobody had ever told me that. Well, the greatest thing happened is I started hitting the ball better. And you need to know that in life, there are certain things that are physical, certain things that we have to do. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the things that you have to do in life to be the kind of good Christian that you need to be. You see, here's what I believe. I believe most Christians are only living in two dimensions of life. And the three dimensions we're going to talk about today, if you want to go ahead and fill the notes in, are body, mind, and spirit. It's those three dimensions. So let's talk, first of all, about the physical things that we have to do as Christians. For me to be a better hitter, I had to do certain things well. I had to work on those things. So the things that we do oftentimes in this first dimension called the body or the physical is that we try to, first of all, live for Jesus in that dimension, but it's difficult because there's so many demands on us as people. We are entrenched in a broken culture. Do you realize that? There are things that we face every day and things that we have to do. And we need to do those in such a way to honor God. 
People today are driven by all sorts of things. We're driven by climbing the corporate ladder. Ladder. We're driven by building big houses and dream houses. We have expensive hobbies. We are heavily involved in fitness. We want to take care of our bodies. That's a good thing. We are involved in our families with sports and dance and clubs and karate and archery and you name it. We've got it for our kids. We take extravagant vacations and adventures. Now, are these terrible things? No, they're not bad things. They are not bad things at all. But many times, we only live in this dimension of life. And when we do that, we miss out on some really, really great things. You know, one of the things about our culture today, it doesn't matter what age you are, you're busy. Matter of fact, you would probably say you are busier than you want to be. I mean, you've got all these demands on you that the world demands of you. But Matthew 16, 26 says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What is Jesus trying to teach here? He's teaching his disciples and he's saying, Hey guys, I came here to give my life so that you can live forever. What does it profit you as a man to gain everything good that's in this world, but to lose your soul? And we all know people. They live next to us. They are with us at the ballparks. They are shopping by us in Walmart. We all know people at the restaurants. We all know people who are family members that they are only living in this first dimension. They are giving away their entire soul for the world. And we are not to do that. I want you to understand today, though, that the first dimension is not a bad dimension. We all live in it. It's the physical. It's the things we all have to do. Recently, I read in a book about a college football coach who was speaking to a group of men. And what he did, he took five national championship rings and laid them on the podium in front of these men. And he said, men, I would gladly give up all five of these national championship rings to get the one back that goes on my left hand, on my ring finger. Many, many times we give away what's best for the good. The first dimension which we all live in is that of the body. It's that of the physical. But the second is that of the mind. The mind. The emotions. We are all emotional beings. We think, we feel, we experience things, and we make decisions all day long. The dimension, this dimension of an individual is often called your soul. I've always been taught to, to define the soul as your mind, your will, and your emotions. The way you process information matters. The way you respond in certain situations makes a difference. So we're not only physical, but we're also in the emotional stage on a daily basis. The Bible says in Romans 12, too, many of you have this memorized, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. Don't have your desires set on the things of the world. But he says, be ye what? Do you know what he says? Be ye transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable 
and perfect. Now, a lot of times the world here, we just hear this word, do not be conformed to, this, to the world, and we think, well, I think about all the things going on in the world, I'm, I'm not going to be like that. I mean, I've chosen to keep myself healthy. I've decided I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. But you know what, the world is, where it says the world here, it's actually talking about the current, the current state of things in the world or the culture and customs. You know, many times we look at Christians and the culture they live in on a daily basis is really very little different than that of non-Christians. You know, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. But the Bible says we've got to have a renewal of our minds and our hearts. And I've got news for you, that doesn't just happen. It's something that takes work. You know, I noticed, I noticed so many times in people who call themselves Christians that there's pride, there's selfishness, and they want to experience the things that other people are experiencing. I was one of these guys that I've never drank alcohol, not one, not one drop. I'm not bragging. God's blessed me and allowed me to be able to say that. But you know what? Also, had never, I'd never had that desire to do that. And that's a blessing and a lot of prayer that happened for me growing up. But you know what? There are people that they will say, you know what? That means nothing. My lifestyle really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if on occasion I go out and drink or I get drunk. You know, the Bible speaks clearly about our lifestyle as Christians. We are to be holy people. We learn these things by listening at church, by reading the Bible, by having time with God. To be transformed means to appear as a new person, a godly person. Let the inward change produce the outward, it says in Ephesians 4. It reminds us to put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt because of deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, being transformed in both heart and mind. So I've got to ask you, are you willing to allow God to continually transform your mind? Are you willing to allow Him to make you holy? Are you willing to yield yourself before Him so that He can do something incredible in you in this next year? My grandfather, I'm going to tell you two stories about my grandfather. My grandfather called him Granddaddy. Um, I was trying to remember how old he is or how old he would be now. He died a few years ago. He would be over 100. But my grandmother died this past year, and I went to their house, and we were looking through some stuff a few weeks ago, and I came across this right here. Now, my first thing that I thought was, hey, this is a little black book. Now, now it is a little black book. But it says GE on it, which is interesting. But it also says 1934. So evidently, GE gave away these little books. It's like a little calendar daily diary. And there were two of these, one from 1934 one from 1935. And it's interesting, as I started reading through it, I know you can't see it from here, but there's my granddaddy's writing on every page of this book. This is a one-year little diary. Now, my granddaddy, I think, at this time would have been, I don't know, maybe 20 years old or so. And there's interesting things in it. Like here, uh, it says Tuesday. Uh, my grandmother's name's Polly, by the way. Tuesday. Walked over to see Polly. That's about a three-mile walk, by the way. 
we went on a date. We rode the train to the movie, rode back, said goodnight to Polly, got home 9.30. I mean, just real simple stuff. And I mean, it's all through here. You know, you go to another day, said, today, played basketball with some friends, stayed home a little while, went to see Polly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there's, there's cool things in that. But, but in both of these books, in the very front where it says his name was Claude, it says Claude Hilton. It says where he lives, Sayre, Alabama. He says his age was 18, 147 pounds, 5 foot 5, gray eyes and red hair, and then under that it says motto. And his motto in both books says this, character, not fame. Character, not fame. My grandfather was a man of character. He, I told you all last week in the kids' message that my granddaddy was a guy who I would consider a hero. Let me ask you this, parents. Would you rather teach your kids to chase after just the first two dimensions in their life, all the physical things they can have, getting their mind right, being smart? We love all those things. Those things are important. Or would you rather point them in the direction of godly character? I'm so proud that my granddaddy had that written in that book. It's been motivational to me because it's character that matters, not fame. There was a time when I was at his house and he had asked me to help him chop some wood. I was in college, so I was a pretty good sized guy. I was an athlete, so I felt like I was pretty strong. And he said, uh, Ricky, that's what he called me. Ricky, I want you to go out back and take that log that where that tree fell down. I want you to cut it up into little 18-inch pieces. And I'm thinking, okay, where's the chainsaw? You know where this is going. No chainsaw. There's an axe out in the garage. If you go in there and get that axe and just cut it up about 18-inch pieces. Well, the log was about this big around. It's laying on the ground. So I go outside, and I'm like, no problem. So I get the axe, and I've never chopped wood Okay? All you men, I'm looking at y'all, you're like, you sissy. <laughs> now, I've never chopped wood at that point. I never had a need to. We didn't have a fireplace. I'm actually thinking back on the story. I don't know why. No, none of us had fireplaces. I don't know what we were doing with the wood. So maybe I was just char character, not fame. <laughs> you know? So, so I go out there and I start chopping wood, man, and it's so hard. I mean, nothing is happening. I mean, it's like what is going on? I'm chopping and chopping and chopping. And I worked about 15 minutes on it, and I hadn't even chopped one piece of wood. And my granddad came out of the house, and he said, you about got it? And I said, no, sir. I said, it's not working right. And so he took the axe, and he said, well, I see one problem here. You know how granddaddies can be. <laughs> this axe needs sharpening. And so he told me how to, he showed me how to sharpen the axe and went in the garage to sharpen it. Went back out to the log, and we're looking at the log, and he said, let me show you how to do it. He said, there's a better way than what you're trying. He said, first of all, the axe being sharper is going to help. This was kind of an amazing thing. Once again, he's five foot five, 150 pounds, maybe. Um, but he took his shirt off. It was hot. And I'm like, never seen my granddaddy without his shirt. <laughs> some, some of you guys are thinking, I don't want to see my granddaddy without his shirt. You know? <laughs> and he had abs. He was ripped. And I'm like, this is not fair. I lift weights all the time, and my granddaddy has abs. 
And he started chopping the wood. He showed me how to do it. He said, hey, you've got, you got to concentrate on where you want to hit. You've got to have certain angles. You've got to follow through with your right hand, which is your dominant hand, and you've got to come down on it like you're chopping all the way through the wood. You make a V, and then you go through. By the way, I never mastered it, but he did three or four, and I figured it out. <laughs> so the deal is he said, son, there's a better way than just doing it this way. And I'm here to tell all of us that there's a better way to live as Christians. Don't allow the first dimension, the body, the physical. Don't allow the second dimension, the mental and emotional. Don't allow that to lead you. There's a better way. Third dimension is the spiritual. It's the spirit. Many Christians are excited about living in the first two dimensions. But they're only excited about living in the third dimension on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. You're like, Brother Rick, you're getting on us now. One of the things that I hate to hear from kids when I ask them the question, do you guys ever read your Bible at home? Do you guys ever pray at home? Is the word no. And unfortunately for a lot of Christians, we're so busy in dimension one and two that we leave out the spiritual. So I want to encourage you parents, I want to encourage you guys, grandparents, uncles and aunts, spend time in the Bible with your kids. Let them see you reading the Word. Let them hear you talk about the Word. Have spiritual conversations in your home. Matthew 13, 3 through 8 is a parable that we all know. It's the parable of the sower and the seeds. It says this, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's talk about this for just a moment. Good ground is good, healthy soil that has a great oxygen content that is moist, and that is ready to grow great seeds. The first one that we hear about here is the, are the seeds that fall on the path. And they were just trampled down. Don't plant your seeds on the path. The second is rocky. The rocky ground. It says that they sprang up quick, but when they hit the sun, because they didn't have enough soil, they withered away. The third grew in, in weeds, and weeds choked them out. But the fourth was good soil. Good soil yields a harvest of perfect grain. In this passage, at the very end of this passage, the Bible talks about producing a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. Now, it's not an exaggeration because this part of the world with good soil can produce a hundred times, maybe even 200 times of what is sown. 
One seed could produce a hundred. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? So what I want to say to you today is let's start planting our seeds with our kids and our families and in our Christian life in good soil. Here's the key. The good soil is simply soil that's healthy. It is free of weeds and rocks and in an area that cannot be beat down by people or destroyed by outside forces. Make sure that you keep your child's life free of weeds as much as possible. Don't put them in rocky situations. Take care of them, nurture them, teach them about Jesus. Well, let me ask you this. 20 years from now, you got to think about it. I won't be here probably. Maybe I will. You may not be here. Your kids will be here. 20 years from now. If I were to ask your kids, what did your parents do as you were growing up to lead you to be more like Jesus? Did they spend more of their time teaching you about spiritual things? Or did they spend more of their time concentrating on the physical and emotional things that you had to deal with? How would they answer this question? So I want to ask you, are you living a 3D lifestyle? We have to be in the physical. We have to be in the emotional. But are you choosing to live in the spiritual? Here's my suggestions for this. Begin to pray right now. Pray that God would help you live a spiritual life this year. You do that by starting out in the morning or, or night, whatever works for you, but spending time in the Word. Praying that God would allow you to have a passion for His Word. Praying that God would allow you to have a passion for His people. That He would allow you to take all of the blessings that He offers and to use them for His glory and honor. You need to start by praying. You need to start by reading your Bible. You need to continue being in church. You need to have spiritual conversations. One of the things that I would encourage you dads to do, by the way, as you lead your home, is to have spiritual conversations as often as possible. Nearly everything in this world will relate back to Scripture at some level. Don't neglect those opportunities. Granddads, I'm not one yet, but I'm looking forward to sitting down with a grandson or a granddaughter and talking to them about what the Bible says and telling them stories about Jesus, telling them stories from the Old Testament and relating those to what God wants to teach them. Teach your kids to serve other people by going as a family and serving. Learn to celebrate the wonderful blessings that God has given us. He's given us so many great things. We have a great family here called Westwood. Let's celebrate that. As your family grows in Christ, celebrate the good things. When you see something good happen in your family, let that be known to your family that this is an act of God on your family. And He has brought that. Celebrate those times. Well, my favorite passage of Scripture is Colossians 3.23. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from your Lord you will receive the inheritance as of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, physically, mentally, of course, 
whatever you do. Work at it heartily, with passion, with soul, with all you've got to please and honor God in the process. And you know when we do that, what's interesting, it says here at the last part of this, he said, there will be an inheritance and a reward. Many times we think that that reward and inheritance is just going to be in heaven. I thought it was interesting, the song we sang, second song we sang today, I don't remember all the words, but it said something like this, one day I will rise. And because you know that, guess what? You can now live. Hey, y'all, if you're a Christian, one day you're going to rise. You have victory in your life. God has already won the battle for you. So let's live on earth like we have victory. Enjoy this life that God has given us. Don't forget that when you go to the ballpark, you're a Christian. Don't forget that when you're shopping, you're a Christian. Don't forget that when you're hanging out with family members you don't like. Did I say that? That you are still a Christian. Don't forget that when somebody pushes you in a direction that you don't want to go, that you are still a Christian. Maybe today you're hearing me. And you are thinking, you know what? I've never asked Jesus in my heart. I'm not a Christian. I don't have that victory. I don't know that I can live this life uh, triumphantly because I don't know that one day I'm going to go to heaven. I want you to know there's something that God offers you. It's called hope. Our hope is found in Jesus. It's called peace. Our peace is found only in Jesus. It's called forgiveness. God, because of his son Jesus Christ, offers us total forgiveness of every sin we've ever committed. You may say, well, not me. I've done some pretty bad stuff. If you're here today and you feel that way, I want you to know that God offers mercy to you. And mercy has a brother named Grace. All those things are benefits of living a Christian life. I don't want anybody in this room to leave this place and not know what it means to have the peace of Jesus in your heart. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, maybe today's the day. Maybe you're sitting there and you are thinking, I have never, ever had that peace. I've never felt that hope. I want to experience forgiveness and mercy and grace. You find that in Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me so that we may be able to live a life that's triumph. For all of us, there's a 3D lifestyle available to us. The question for us is this next year, are we willing to accept it and live it? My hope is that we will. In your outline, I know I didn't give you a lot of notes to take down, but there are three questions. And those three questions are homework questions. Those are questions that I want you to spend time with your loved ones talking about. I want you, if you go to the restaurant today, do it there. If you go home, do it there. But take some time this week and take those three questions and spend some time together. Maybe today, you and your family need to make a recommitment to Christ. What better time as we get ready to start a new year? Say, this year, it's not a resolution I'm making. 
I want to make a lifestyle change and live for Jesus to live 3D. Thank you.